There is a divine intelligence within us that really knows how to heal the body. There is a divine intelligence that knows how to bring homeostasis and balance. And if we can stop trying to reach outside of ourselves, we'll actually be able to access something that knows how to bring harmony within. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Naist invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Naist. All right, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. I have an amazing guest that's going to share her story with us today. Erica, what I like to do is have you introduce yourself to my audience, who you are, what it is you do, and then we're going to rock and roll and we're going to have a good time. Oh, my honor to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I have, it's like, where do I begin in these stories and what is the important parts that I want to share? And as far as who I am, that is always evolving and changing, but at the heart, I am a divine soul here on a mission of self-actualization and helping other people to step into their truth and knowing miracles for themselves as well. I am a new thought minister. I studied quantum physics and manifestation and the subconscious mind. And through that, I found, I fell in love with the universal laws and these, um, these principles that when I've gone through some of the hardest struggles of my life helps me to reclaim a level of connection and confidence and clarity in my ability to take the next right step forwards, no matter what was happening. It's why I love your podcast called Fearlessly Happy, because I just, I mean, how do we hold both, you know, at the same time? So I work with clients. I lead sacred struts on Saturday mornings. I had an eating disorder for 14 years that I healed through uh, filing this aha moment to take myself on these prayer walks. And within two months, I had healed this, you know, challenge that I had struggled with for 14 years. And I really started to learn the power of our mind and the power of our thoughts and how important it is to be present and to feel that connection with your higher power, God. Um, And so now I lead sacred virtual walks for people all around the world. I have clients in Norway and Oklahoma and California that log on. It's really fun. I get to do my other love, which is like play DJ because I get to curate songs <laughs> and things. Um, and I'm really here to be of service and to share my story and to share what helps, you know, what has helped me through recovery and addiction and rape PTSD and just, I mean, life on life's terms. And um, I'm really like, I know I mentioned to you that, you know, we changed the date a little while. And, and it's right. so funny because when you asked me to be on this podcast after I made my post about having had eight and a half months of sobriety and like all of these things of just like really being in faith and like all summer, like holding the walls open. I'm like, okay, I know they're closing in, they're closing in, but I got this, I got this. And so many things fell into place and it would have been so easy to come on here and say, yeah, things are amazing now. And then last three weeks of, um, you know, since our first scheduled date, like I actually had a relapse last week and it blew up in every area of my life. And I didn't like, I didn't want to tell you, I wanted this to be like the authentic me sharing. I didn't want to like (laughs) preface you so that you and your listeners could really 
have a, a genuine heart to heart with us at the same time of like what that was like, because um, it, it was huge in the way of blowing up everything that I have just created in my life that has felt beautiful and real and, um, and aligned and how can I still come on here today and know who I am and know what I'm here to create. And, you know, and that's the thing is like, how do we hold both knowing that we're human and we're going to have these human experiences and knowing that sometimes there is unintentional destruction and to like, to be with the accountability to hold ourselves, you know, pick ourselves back up and to continue walking forwards. And that's sort of what the sacred strut has always been about is like, discovering and knowing that truth, that love and taking that next right step forwards, no matter what, because life is going to be a journey of continuous evolution and growth and impact. And that's like the opportunity is to keep looking forwards and to keep coming home to love. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that, right? Because a relapse is nothing to be ashamed of. Trust me, because I, I, when I first got sober, and I was, you know, sentenced to a place and was told by the judge, if you slip up one millimeter, you're going to prison for three years, right? When I first became a substance abuse counselor, right? I was, I was going to AA. I still go to AA, right? But I was like, I was starting to do that old cranky old timer, right? If you don't do it our way, you're going to die and blah, 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 blah. But what I've learned over the 15 years that I've been doing this, right? Like people's recovery is going to come different for every individual. It's not a one size fits all. And I had to learn to change, like you said, because ultimately why I got into the field was because I have a passion to help people. And if I'm pointing a finger and hating on them, what kind of help is that? You know what I mean? And my thing is what I tell clients when they relapse, like, what did you learn from that? Right? You didn't lose everything you've gained up to that point. You just changed your date, right? You still learn some things and what can you do moving forward? to, like you said, live in that love to turn around, help the next person. Cause I don't care if you got one day or two days, you can help the guy or the girl with one day. Right. And like you said, it's such a journey and, and mine has changed. I've been clean and sober over 20 years now. And, but Erica, you know, like we realized we've known each other probably for like 10 years. Cause when I first jumped on Facebook and we met yeah. some of the, we all had similar friends and we were all running in the I same circle. San Diego at the time, like the oh. entrepreneur group back then. Yeah. And then I was back on the East coast for 10 years and now back. So, right. So in this journey, right, like, I mean, you understand it, right? You're going to, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, but it's about how we get back up and what we're going to do moving forward. Right. So share like part of your journey with my audience on what that looks like. Right. Cause you mentioned a lot of things in the beginning. Right. And I want to, I want to touch on that. Right. Because a lot of people, if you don't understand addiction, and I believe this because it's been studied, it's in the science, uh, the, the source usually of, of addiction is trauma, right? Something's happened to us growing up, doesn't, and you mentioned it, right? So, right, this journey of recovery is an ever evolving, right? Like, and I always say, I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you go around the wall, you go over the wall, or you build a bridge, but you just keep going. So talk to the audience about your journey and like, 
what that's looked like since you decided to go like, because you've got, we know that eating disorder, right? That's no joke, right? Addiction itself is no joke. And then you throw all these other things in there, right? So uh, tell my audience like what you've been through and what made you have those moments of going, you know what, I'm not going to let this keep me down, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I laughed when you said you've been through a lot because, I mean, last year when I moved out here, I went through a divorce and I, 4th of July weekend, I got this tattoo on my thigh that this medicine woman channeled from Tulum, Avalita. And um, for me, it signified completion because I was like, I am done. <laughs> I have gone through every area of my life, these, these, these things, and I am tapped out and I am complete and all karma has been burned and let's go, you know? And I just turned, I mean, I'm 42 and a half. And for so long, I didn't even think I would make it past 40. And, and honestly, it wasn't until I turned 41 that I really even felt like I was walking on a heaven on earth experience in which I knew what it was like to actually feel free. And so my journey began, you know, as a, a young girl, and my father was an alcoholic. And so growing up an old soul, like wanting to be there for him, wanting to counsel him. Like I can remember my parents getting a divorce and myself being eight years old and I'm calling him to check on him and, you know, just taking on that role. And what sort of developed was this place of, um, I'm not feeling like my own emotions had a space to be felt and also perfectionism. And so the way that I began to, you know, cope with my own emotions and and kind of create my own coveted space was through food. And that was like something that I felt like was a way to get out whatever I was feeling or to just carve time for myself. And, you know, that journey lasted from when I was 16 to 30 years old. Um, that's actually when I moved home from San Diego, because I just could not figure out after 14 years of like how to do life with this compulsion that no matter what I did, you know, I was going to yoga and I was meditating and I was praying and I was trying to save the world. And so here I'm thinking like, like I'm just the girl that loves everyone. Why is this happening to me? You know, right. and I just could not figure it out. So I very humbly went home, but that was also like such the gift. I hadn't been home in 10 years. I got to reconnect with my grandparents and my father right before he passed actually. So I got to see him. I hadn't spent time with him and you know, that's it that's such the beauty and and now of having become a new thought minister and studying consciousness we can see really how life is always guiding us and life is always giving us opportunities to receive blessings if we're open to them and so you know i moved back home and i was like this all or nothing i have to run eight miles or it doesn't count you know i was in the jason (laughs) moffett club and all the things right like yeah um and i'm like what like you know and then it would be like, okay, I spent this much time hating on myself and controlling and all these things. Like, and I just like finally had this aha moment of like, okay, what can you do that is kind? What can you do that is loving? What can you can do that is consistent? Um, and you know, are you willing to to give yourself as many years as you spent hating yourself, loving yourself, instead of thinking like, you know, for me, I always wanted like the overnight, right? I need to lose the five pounds by tomorrow morning. I need this to change, <laughs> right? Like. Like we'll give her, like, we'll spend all this time in the destruction, but like, we want the overnight success and the overnight pill and the the quick fix. And it's like what our society has just positioned us with. And so 
I have this moment where it's like, you can go for a walk and go for a walk. And, and you, so you're just going to walk every night. You can't be too tired. You can't be too sore. You can't be whatever, no excuses. And I started walking and I started to really hear my inner voice. And I started to like, see the beauty that was around the town where I grew up and, and connecting to nature and connecting to, you know, something greater than myself and being filled on these blessings and really seeing like the levels of my thought thinking, like, even like, it's like, Oh, I hate my sister. I wish she, wish she would die. Right. It's like, <laughs> no, like, no, I love my sister. I forget, you know, like just, just all of it to where I was constantly shifting my thoughts back to what I wanted to claim for myself. And within two months, I healed this thing that had me for 14 years. And then within two months, I lost my first 20 pounds too. And so like, I really saw, you know, in my journey, those quick fixes. And that's like, you want to take this pill or you want to have, you know, this thing or this diet or this fat burner or whatever it was at that time. Like I really got to see like, there is a divine intelligence within us that really knows how to heal the body. There is a divine intelligence that knows how to bring homeostasis and balance. And if we can stop trying to reach outside of ourselves, we'll actually be able to access something that knows how to bring harmony within. So that became kind of like I, I channeled my first coaching program after that summer in 2012. And then I was like teaching yoga and like all the things. And then the alcohol started to like really ramp up after that. Um, and I remember getting out of a DUI, uh, you know, all my prayer work. Somehow they lost my video surveillance and they like oh, being wow. like, okay, now I'm just going to be sober, you know? And for a little while I was sober on the love of God and the love of like, yoga and, uh, and I guess doing it myself or whatever. Um, and then I moved to New York to have my dreams come true. I was ready to leave the small town. And I went through a rape from someone that I knew I taught yoga at one of his events and I could not, I just, because I think because I knew the person, I mean, he lived in Calgary and I was in New York, but I, I lost all sense of trust of myself. I lost trust of, um, life and my thinking like i was in this trauma box where i knew because i you know i'd known where i was before and the freedom i had felt before but now i knew like my thinking is not measuring up to what to what i know life is like and i'm feeling triggered all the time and i'm feeling victim mentality and i'm scared and i'm anxious and i can't leave the house for more than four hours at a time without having a meltdown for two years so i trauma bonded with my ex-husband who love saving you know love saving people and i wanted to be saved and it was like this fairy tale of oh my god yeah and i really do believe god sent the right person for me to create an environment in which in the beginning um would allow me space but also provided an opportunity for me to have to claim my voice and to claim my value and to step out of codependency and to really recognize that this wasn't the right relationship for me and it was during covid where i um was able to go back to school because i was going to start doing these events around and traveling and all of the events got shut down and so i was like i'm going to go back and get trauma informed and i'm going to do the recovery certifications and i'm going to you know study new thought because i used to go to agape out here with reverend michael and i like fell in love with the work and that's when i really saw the universal law um laws really work in my favor and especially with recovery because the thing about like the relapses too is people you know, and people care, um, and, and, and they want the best for you, 
And sometimes their fears can cloud the vision. And so the, the level right. of forgiveness, like the level of forgiveness, right? Like every day waking up with new eyes, waking up with a fresh start, waking up with seeing someone in their, their potential and waking up to seeing someone in what they can be. And not to be in a disillusionment, but if you're holding on to the one vision of something, we know from a quantum you know, level, like that observer effect is how you're going to keep experiencing someone. And so oh. I would be in my relapse, you know, and I'm like, nope, I claiming my recovery. I know that this is a part of my divine growth. I know that I'm a sober person, you know, and I looked at frequency. Like I, ha I brought out this book. I thought we might talk about it. I don't know. David Hawkins, the map of consciousness. And I did this whole thing on, on frequency of thought. And when we're in relapse, it's so easy to go into the shame and the guilt and stay there. And then what happens when you stay there? Your thinking creates your feelings, creates your emotions, create more circumstances, right? And so now you're, you're creating more behaviors that are being muddled by a lower vibration. But if you could, okay, what can I learn from this? Oh, now I have appreciation for this. Now I'm excited about this, right? Like you take yourself out of this like bottom and back up into like, you know, the 500, 600, 700 level of, right. of frequency. Now you're back operating at a place that is more ease and joy and, and, you know, congruent with truly who we are. Right. Um, and so that's like when I really was like, okay, I want to really help get this work out into the world and I'm going to start teaching universal laws. And, and I think this is something that can really help people have an understanding that will help change the way they feel about themselves. Cause sometimes, you know, I, I've done different types of recovery and I've done the 12 steps and AA and all the things. And really understanding i think the power of our, our our choice and that we get to open up to the new thought we don't have to stay stuck you know was really really a beautiful um gift that i received in all of my trainings and then i continue to walk and and that's like the sacred strut like every step can be a new step and every wow. step can be in the direction of you really knowing who you are and you don't have to stay stuck so right. it's kind of and I love that you're doing this work, right? Because as I've grown and listened to you, I love that sacred strut. I love that, right? But it's true if you think about it, right? Thoughts become things, right? And we hear about the law of attraction and when you dive deeper. And what I've noticed, right, when I started studying, like mindfulness for me, I started studying that three or four years ago. And I like, I need to have a way to let my mind have these thoughts, but not get all OCD over them and then have it derail me for the rest of the day because I've got all these crazy thoughts. And it's been one of the best things that's ever helped in my recovery, right? Mm -hmm. Not only having the 12 steps, right? And, and but you're so correct. Like there's a saying that these gentlemen that I know that are my mentors and coaches and people I've met, they always say life happens for you, not to you. Mm -hmm. Right. When you get that in your head, then you that you understand that when I'm thinking of good things, wow, good things start to happen. Right. But like you said, I, and you're a fellow recovering person. Right. We know when we're stuck in that negativity, it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. Right. Because things just like you said, the circumstances start popping up and you're like, why is this happening? But as you I say, when when you realize that you're the one thinking about it, you're bringing into existence what you're putting out there, right? Yeah. And then, you know, and and then you're piling on evidence. Well, I knew this. I knew life was just going to continue to be, you know, and that's why I love right. That's why I think the trauma work and the, what I've studied and, and with my clients with the trauma work, it is so incredible and how precise 
the the thoughts and the trauma commands that we've created as say like our eight-year-old selves like most 40 year olds are living something their eight-year-old self decided i always say you know like i had a client who uh, uh you know an age of six or seven um saw witnessed something like very intense with her family and her body went into this like nausea knees on the floor couldn't move and ever since whenever she experiences something intense she goes into a food binge and it's like she recreates the nausea the paralyzation that's how precise these things are and so when you start piling on that negative thinking and then you attract that experience and now you're brain is filing memories and moments and you're just then you just keep saying oh this is true this is how it is it's that. and so yeah we really get to when you start to have the mindfulness awareness of like okay right now i can choose how i'm going to respond to this and i can right. keep living out the old trajectory or i can choose to open myself and surrender to the new thought the expanded point of view the higher level of consciousness the place that i want to go um forgive myself right and it and that's why having community is so beautiful i don't know if you can hear sorry the trash truck outside um it's so beautiful because you know for people that don't understand addiction or whatnot sometimes and and whether it's addiction or not but you know you know like the people that kind of want to stay mad at you or want you to feel yeah. like certain levels of guilt for a while because like if you no. get over it too quickly like oh i guess like maybe you don't actually care as much or right. you know but like <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about right like oh like why are you acting so happy you should be ashamed of yourself or whatever it's like right. okay well what tell me how long should i stay in punishment in my timeout before I can go and like, you know, start to do better. Right. And so it's, it's, it's just a, com- that's why I love these conversations. Cause I think it really helps people to understand like you don't have to keep punishing yourself and you don't have to Absolutely. keep relieving the shame in order to learn. And in fact, that forgiveness can bring you right back up and then you can take your story and teach someone else. And it's absolutely like, right. Yeah. I, you couldn't be more correct. And I love that because the one thing that helped me the most after my last relapse, I may be a day or two sober, right? My sponsor told me that. He goes, forgive yourself. God already has. So, you know, get off the cross. We need the wood. And I'm just like, wow, man. But I really got what he said, though, right? Because as you know, we can stay stuck in that self-pity, that guilt, that shame. That guilt and shame is dangerous for for people in in recovery or that are trying. I don't care if it's sex, drugs, eating, whatever, right? Because when that pops in, it's so hard to get out of it sometimes unless you have an outlet, right? But him, like every time I get into that mode, I always hear my sponsor saying, forgive yourself. God already has. Move on, right? Like just keep moving forward. Um, and you said something that was, and I say this all the time when I talk to people that are in recovery that have been on my podcast, right? I used to be that guy when I first became a counselor, if you don't do the 12 steps, you're going to die. And I can't work with you if you can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, people look at me like, wow, what's wrong with you, Max? And then I watched this TED talk where this uh, journalist from England said, the opposite of addiction is connection, right? So it doesn't matter if I'm an alcoholic or you're a drug addict, right? We have something in common, right? But that could bring us together. And the more you're around like-minded people. It's just like in the business world, right? Like that saying, they say, if you hang around five millionaires, you're bound to be the sixth. But if I hang around five thieves, I'm about to be the sixth thief, right? Yeah. Um, you have said, and 
talked about so much amazing stuff that I want this audience of ours to understand is you can change the trajectory of your life at any moment. You don't have to beat yourself up for stuff that has happened in the past. You can just make that decision and go, okay, from today forward, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to you know, work on myself, right? Because there's some people that I follow that said the best like revenge for the people that are, let's say our haters, right? Is personal excellence, right? We go out there, we do the best we can. We exercise, we work on our spirituality. And cause you know, after this, I'm going to ask you about this mind stuff. I, I'm, I love that stuff, right? Cause I know it's worked in my awesome. life. On Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, um, God, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so, you know, this past Saturday was the divine law of compensation. And one of the things that I brought up was actually this idea of, you know, especially when people are sort of down and out or they've been in their, their relapse or whatever shame that they're carrying or they're, they're, whether you're recovering from addiction or many people are all recovering from the ideas that they're separate and fear and unworthiness. So we're all recovering from something. I don't something. care who you are on the planet. If you're on this planet, you've, accepted some belief that is not true (laughs) in the world and it is time to to claim to be new but i said you know i remember being in san diego and in my eating disorder and being at these round tables with all the entrepreneurs and these marketing events and just crying feeling like what do i have to offer like i don't have anything so how could i even charge these prices how and i just remember being like your vulnerability is a gift and so I'm going to be the most open. I'm going to share the, my deepest wounds. And this is what I really know is a gift of mine. And for years, you know, they used to say, don't talk about anything. Now I think things have changed, especially with all the trauma. Right. Work now. You know, they're like, no, you have to create this level of leadership and all these things. And I always looked at that as like some unattainable hierarchy that was actually keeping people more separate from realizing how good they were because it was creating this gap that wasn't really real. And then people were like, well, if I'm not there yet, if I'm not excellent in all areas of my life yet, then like I can't lead or I can't be this or that. So I always was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to call myself out first. And I'm going to be very vulnerable <laughs> because this will be the gift. And I swore and I declared for myself that like I, this presence of having someone that was willing to go deep made every event better because people were then willing to not feel like they had to like present themselves. And so people had more breakthroughs and people had more aha moments and people felt more connected and they're like, yeah, I want to come back and let me not miss out on this mastermind. And, and I saw the ripple effect and like, then I was getting like free tickets to events. Right. And so it wasn't, you know, compensation can come in different ways, but that idea of like the thing that you think makes you the most broken, the thing that you think that you would have the most shame about is actually the thing that could be your biggest like pot of gold if you Absolutely. really were able to look at it as a place of like wow like this this not only has shaped me into like being someone that can be with this and continue to move fearlessly you know forwards but like now how am i going to be able to support someone else how am i going to be able to yep. co- collapse timelines for someone else this learning curve like it becomes you know your a part of you know your story that is worth gold and that is priceless you could save a life with it so the things that i say you know these things that where people think that they should feel ashamed of or whatnot like these are really the biggest opportunities to to know that there is god in all and that you are worthy absolutely and that's what i tell the clients that i work with i go look you're a child of god and he doesn't make junk right and god has no grandchildren we're all his children so you know, start thinking about yourself in a better way. 
And um, and it's hard though when you know, like when someone's new or they're just getting into recovery, right? Depending on you know, most of the time they're they don't even like looking in the mirror, let alone saying something nice about themselves, right? So you know, when I'm doing their strengths with them, right? It's very I, that part takes long. And then I okay, tell me some of your weaknesses, and boy, they'll they'll give me a whole list, and I'll just go, okay, let's uh focus on your strengths, right? Because one thing that you said, vulnerability, right? And that's something I believe in too, especially after reading Dr. Brene Brown's book, The Power of Vulnerability, how it's a power, like it's a superpower. And, you know, I've had to use that with clients and go, look, I'll share some stories with them and go, look, you're not alone. And they'll go, wow, maybe I'm not alone, right? Because when we're in that, that beginning phase, I think it's like, we feel like we're all alone and that's the worst feeling, you know? And, but like you said, community, that's why I encourage people. I don't say you have to, but I go, go to meetings, right? Cause you're going to find your tribe. You're going to find the people that have been through what you're going through and how they got out of it. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, like go every day for the next 10 years or 20 years, like some people do, right? I did my first three years, two meetings a day. It was it, one, it kept me busy. It kept me out of here. And two, I found the people that really cared about me and was like, hey, you're not, you don't have to do this alone. We're going to help you. Right. Yeah. And, so and it leads to moments like this where I get to interview Erica and her sacred strut and hear her story. Right. And how she's overcome her challenges, as I like to say, and now how she's helping others do the same. And, and that's what I believe your higher power, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. Right. Ultimately, that's what he wants to do is love on each other, help each other and help each other grow. Right. He doesn't say, oh, you're different from that person. So you need to stay away. Right. That's, yeah. that's not how it works, you know? Yeah. And that whole like, I won't regret the past or wish to close the door on it. It's like this. is, I mean, this my dharma <laughs> given to me like this is, you know, my legacy. And um like I said, my father died pretty much of this disease. And so and I was named after him. And so getting to walk this way. Um, for both of us. And, you know, I actually, you know, I could see where I started getting a little bit, you know, wiry, I guess, you know, it was I stopped going to meetings like two about two months ago, I had a falling out with my sponsor. And I had this aha as well as like, you know, I've been going to program for like four years. And I had this falling out and feeling like because she had created this meeting, and it goes back to what I said in the very beginning that I didn't have space for my experience of how I experienced some of her um, sponsorship because right. she had started the meeting. And there was this feeling of like, I don't want to go there and share how I'm feeling because I don't want to make her look bad or wrong. Right. Um, and I know that my, my experience was really, really valid. And then to feel like, oh my gosh, like I just spent eight months bonding with this group and leading a call a week and all of the things. So I was like, it's okay. I can just like, I'll just back away for a little while. And the idea of like trying to reform a whole group and that, you know, cause it's a lot to be, you know, telling your story in the heart, but right. absolutely. But I can see like, that's just something I'm going to have to get over <laughs> and to, <laughs> to know that it's all one family. Um, but yeah, I could see where I started getting swirly. And then I remember I started, you know, I 
what became dangerous for me was, you know, the disease, disease does want to like, if you really, I think I, a true alcoholic, like I start looking, seeing the soberish posts or the sober curious posts or the sober yeah. California. And I'm like, well, maybe I can hang. Right. And I, that sense of belonging and okay, I, I will take a weed gummy. Right. And then suddenly the minute I did that, that, you know, because identity is work is so important and because our identity will shape our beliefs, you know, our thoughts, feelings, circumstances of our lives. But the minute that I no longer actually felt myself as 100% sober, I could feel myself not being 100% aligned with who I knew my divine calling is. Because even when I was little, I remember hearing and looking at other sober people and being like, wow, like there's something shiny and bright about them that I want or our strength about them. And maybe that's because my dad did not live most of his life sober. And so maybe I looked up to that or wanted that, but I, I don't even, as a child, I didn't even know. I just remember seeing sober people and being like, I'm in awe of you. And then years and like, like, yeah, because that was the seed that was supposed to be in me one day. Right. And so when I started to play with like trying to hold it off, I could already start to feel myself, you know, instead of being, you know, just not living up to integrity as much as I, I wanted to, but like, not knowing what to do or how long, you know, how long could I continue to hold this and, and just kind of play in this zone. And that's, that's dangerous, really. I mean, right. at that point, it's kind of like, you know, and I just, that's, I mean, I, this is what I had to learn for myself, right? And this right. is what, um, and so, you know, I share that because I think it can get confusing. And I think like, especially with social media, you know, like we were saying like the AA way, and like, if you don't do the 12 steps, you're going to die there, you know, I can kind of see that. <laughs> In a lot right. of ways. I mean, I just blew up my life in big ways, you know, but the minute I woke up, I called everyone that I knew that I had hurt and I let them know and I started the passive amends and, um, but you know, it can be, there can be a lot of information out there that can really take people, you know, down different learning experiences that they are going to have the need to know for themselves. So I, I get Absolutely. why people say, you know, hundred percent abstinence. I get why there are people that still believe that they can hold both, you know, and I think it is still a unique journey, but I will say that I know that I feel my best when my consciousness is truly available and open to God and life in every moment. And if I'm really here to serve, and that's like when I became a practitioner first for new thought, like it's not, like a nine to five job where you go and you clock in and then you clock out and you're off the right. clock As a practitioner. You are actually handing your life over to say, I'm going to be available to life to help counsel, to, you know, to help be in support of truth, you know, 24 yep. seven. And so there's no going off the clock. And so when I made that decision to kind of let myself play a little bit, like I, I was going back on, you know, because if I had a client that all of a sudden had an emergency call, but I'm not available, like, you right. know, I'm sort of out of integrity of that. And yes, do, do, like, do we get days off and times off, like, do, like my own personal stuff? Yeah, <laughs> but like, my consciousness needs to stay intact, you know? And Absolutely. That's the level that I want to live at. Like, that's the level that I, I, I love. And even if I could do it differently, it doesn't feel as good to me. Maybe it right. doesn't feel as good because I know it's not meant for me. Right. And see, and that's for me, like, it's very important that I live in integrity, right? Like, especially with myself, right? And for me, it's total abstinence. I haven't been on any, I used to be on a, um, any depressant, right? But four years ago, I made that decision because it wasn't working anymore. I said, I'm just going to get off it. Here's my new medicine. Eat right, exercise, and stay sober, right? Yeah. Um, 
and some of the new things I've seen in treatment, right, where they allow this or they allow that. And maybe it works for some people, but I know me, as soon as I take something that's going to change my head, I'm done, right? Because then I start rationalizing, well, I did that. I was okay. Then I can do this, right? And then, oh, I can handle the drink, right? But how many times have you seen that in a meeting? Where it was one drink. It started with one drink and all of a sudden there, I'm waking up and there's bottle all, all, bottles all over the room. Yeah, and I started I, with the beer at the airport and then three right? days later, bottles of tequila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and power to those who can do that, right? Like, I, I, I just, like you said, I just think me being totally abstinent makes me a better husband, makes me a better friend makes me a better father, grandfather, right? Podcast host, whatever you want to call it. Because could you imagine if I'm sitting here? Oh, yeah, Erica, get on in a minute. Because I just had a couple bong hits, but just let it kick in and I'll be fine, right? And there are people that have podcasts based on that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I know there's a power to CBD, but that's totally different, right? Like, but um, I'm just, I just know I've done the research for myself. And it always failed, right? Like it didn't work. So, but I love having these conversations and I love being present for them. And if I'm doing anything like that, I'm not going to be present because I'm going to be thinking about, okay, what do I got to do after this? Or what do I got to do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and so what you've studied and what you're talking about has interested me so much in the last few years is that I try to study beyond the just law of attraction, right? Because I know there's the law of reciprocity. There's the, like you said, the law of compensate. There's so many different laws that you can study that it's a big part, a bigger picture. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up for my audience, right? Because I don't care what you do, right? I teach different one, 52, there are 52 laws. I teach on a different one every Saturday. So I hope you walk with me and just, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to have to because I need to learn these laws. And I think we all do, right? Because Right. As you know, Erica, you see the chaos that's going on in the world, in our country and around the world. Right. We definitely need to be grounded and I think be more mindful of the things we say and do around each other and connect with each other. Because I don't know what the powers that be, but there is powers that are out there that are trying to disconnect us and turn us against each other. And, yeah, you know what I mean? And. You know, it's a journey for me, even with 20 plus years of being sober, like I'm always trying to learn something new because my way is not the only way I get that, but I'm going to help anyone that puts their hand out. That's one thing I made a problem after my last relapse. I made a promise to God. I said, you keep me sober, God, I will do whatever it takes. Right. And then it's funny because I told my sponsor after I relapsed, he goes, okay, I'm going to make sure you keep that promise. And he goes, oh, matter of fact, you don't get to pick and choose who you help. Whoever asks for your help, you're going to go help. And that was one of the best things he could have ever done. Right. Because here we are today having this amazing conversation. So um, there's a couple of things I want to ask of you um, as we go. So um as it's been a great conversation right so i i wrote a book called fearless happiness as you can see and i always like to ask my guests a couple questions so fearless right what does fearless mean to you erica and how does that show up in your life today i think my connection with god and understanding the universal laws is what helps me to live life and not necessarily without fear 
But knowing that there's a strength and some a power greater than all that as long as I can continue to hold that, that I can move through any dark moment, I can move through any obstacle I can, you know, because you, because I then have that, that connection and that support and that faith. And that faith, even when there is the despair, or there is the the hardship in that is where the happiness or the joy can come, you know, and it's more than just happiness. It's, it's, is it a joy that, you know, that there is a love so great that is shining down and connecting with you in all moments of time. We just have to remember, and that is such a beautiful gift. And so it is to, to be able to be present and conscious and integrity. That is the fearless. Like I know that as long as I continue to try to do the next right thing for myself and that I'm open and I'm humble to learning and that I know who I am, then really what is there to fear, but fear itself, you know, because everything, especially if you know, life is for you. So it's all these perspectives that help create a little comfy home for yourself. (laughs) Right. Or try to. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's all we can do is right. Put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, and it, and it's, I had a conversation with a, a mentor of mine and he says, will we ever be truly fearless? Probably not. He goes, but we'll learn how to be, we'll, we'll learn how to fear less and we'll, we'll take the actions we need to take to move ourselves forward. And I went, oh, that makes sense. Well, and like, if you are like, oh my God, I'm scared and fear to something, but if you're like, oh, that's where the good part is, that is outside of my comfort zone, or that's like, I'm going to, like, you start to embrace it. And so your experience yes. of fear becomes less about resistance and more about embracing something. And so it, it, it transforms the, the anxiety, just like anxiety into excitement, you know? So, right. That's why I, I didn't understand when he told me, just lean into the suck, Max. And I'm like, who wants to lean into the sock, man? He goes, just trust me, do it. Because there's probably a lesson you need to learn. And sometimes there's a lesson within the lesson, right? But the more we face our fears and we do the next right thing, like you said, and we just, and look at that fear as like, okay, I have to go through this for a reason because there's something I need to learn, right? If that's what helps us grow, right? Because if we get to the other side and we're like, oh, that wasn't so bad, right? <laughs> like, I want to do it again. Yeah. And I think that like, I mean, the, the fear and the resistance and then the ruminating, like the thing that like, whether it's a feeling, right. Cause I can remember, um, you know, this past year of getting divorced, moving across the country, not knowing anyone. Um, I cried more over my father's death this past year than I did in 2012. And part of that was because I really, wish that I had that divine masculine kind of presence to, to help comfort me, you know, even though I'm 40, like I'm still a young girl, like going through things. And I just wish I had my dad that I could call during this time. And, and in a lot of ways, the freedom from his physical body allowed us to have a deeper connection or whatnot, but to, to face some of the feelings, like you really realize how much you'll move through things much more quickly, or they didn't take as much time, or you didn't die of crying as much, you know, like whatever the fear is, like if you actually right. just move through it, like it usually can clean up or the hard conversation, right? It wasn't as bad as you made it out to be, right? So, right. <laughs> um, and also like I really learned, I mean, this is why I think recovery is so beautiful is because it, it does open us up to God you know, if we choose to. And, and most people kind of live a 
slow death of like contemplate or complacency. And, you know, then they have a midlife crisis or something. And maybe then they open themselves up, but you know, with the rock bottoms, they're kind of faced to like, be like, okay, I want to have this relationship or whatnot. And, and I can remember, I don't know why the story's coming up, but when I decided to stop using weed gummies for sleep, because after my rape, I had a really, really hard time with my nervous system and then falling asleep at night and then New York city and like, just like the stimulus and all the things. So, you know, I wasn't using cannabis during the day, but I was using weed gummies to fall asleep at night. And then I got on, um, you know, Xanax, which wasn't my prescription, but it was, you know, someone else's. And so I moved to California. I was like, okay, well, I don't have that source anymore. So I'll just do the weed gummies and it's, you know, it's legal and it's everywhere here. But then I really was like, so, you know, I'm studying new thought. I'm a minister, you know, I'm becoming a minister. I'm saying I'm strong and, you know, in faith, but like, am I really allowing God to be in every area of my life. And I had to go back and remember like how those sacred struts and remembering that there is a natural intelligence within me that knows how to heal my body will help me learn how to heal my sleep too. And I remember like the first night being like, I'm going to, you know, let this go. And, and sitting with like this idea of like, why, why do I actually think that this won't work? Like, why do I, do I not think that God would give me this miracle? Do I really have such a seed of unworthiness within me that I think I would be passed over? Like everyone else gets to have freedom from addiction if they apply these things, but like somehow it wouldn't work for me. And I like touched upon that. And it was like, I cried, like, you know, I was used to crying on substances, you know, in my life, not just crying with my stuffed animal alone in my bed as a 40 year old and just wondering when the tears would go. But like, eventually, like, it felt good, actually, to have those cathartic releases. And then eventually, my body learned how to fall asleep, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't even a thing anymore. And I I was like, wow, I've spent the 40 years of my life. And, and this is why I say like the heaven on earth experience now, because you know, the, the mindfulness and the spaciousness of like really thinking and seeking and all the things. And now I just get to be present. And I just get to know that I met every moment with, with life, but that the divine is within me. And I have the ability to move through things in a conscious manner. And that right. it's going to take care of itself way better than anything that we think is going to work to, you know, fix or control or, and you have to rebalance and it's just it's more chaos so absolutely yeah right when you open your mind to that right like okay i'll be scared but i'm gonna do it anyway because i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out and especially when you have that support right like i'm not gonna be doing this alone mm-hmm. and especially knowing that like god is on your side and he's gonna get you through whatever you got to get through it's right then i definitely understand where it's we fear less we might not be fearless, but we fear yeah. less and we just do the next thing we got to do. And I love it. Yeah. So the next I question I have for you, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I saw something today that was like when David went to up to fight about Goliath, he wasn't thinking about how scary Goliath was. He was thinking about how big God was, <laughs> you know? Right. And that's, that's kind of how we have to do it. Right. Like I know for you, I know you've done it. I've probably done it in the beginning, right? It wasn't, I didn't think that way. It was like, oh my God, my problem's so big, right? But when someone said, look, God is always bigger than anything you could go through. And if you just put that faith, right? Because that one of the sayings, faith without works is dead. And we gotta, we gotta actually practice faith and do the next right thing and do the things we don't like to do and talk to the people that, like you said, have those tough conversations. And, but when we do that enough, we realize like, I am a divine person, right? Where God has given me 
like I like to say, you have everything you need to be great today because God has already put it inside you and you just got to tap in and, and do it, right? So that leads yeah. to my next question, right? I Second part of my title is happiness with a why. So knowing I put the why there, and uh, I'll answer your question if you don't know, but I put the why there for a reason. So what does happiness mean for you and how does that show up on your in your life on a daily basis? Yeah, happiness for me goes back to that integrity piece, you know. Um it goes back to having the, my connection with God that I can face whatever is going on. Like I said, it's like a strength and a joy that maybe moments like right now like the last week I've cried a lot and there's been a lot of sadness, but but because it was reuniting me to really like my more bigger divine purpose and with God and things like there, there is a joy there that um, is more than just happiness. But for me, happiness, you know, and I, I've experimented and I've thought that like happiness was, you know, the money or this or that. And, you know, when I, this summer was one of my, you know, I, I got a divorce and I moved here and like, I used to eat out like four nights a week. I think I ate out like 10 times in a whole year. Like I stripped down everything and moved away from everything. And most of my days were filled with every day was a sacred strut. Like somehow I manifested a wilderness park right across the street, you know? And so I, I would love this, this mile loop as like a bird sanctuary that I didn't know was here that I moved in. That was like me and a few bird watchers. And, you know, I had my favorite strut I joined Mariner's church. And so, you know, I'm praying with my friends. I'm going to church, which I consider singing with the band. I sit up front and pretend <laughs> I sing all the songs, you know. And so, you know, I didn't shop. I didn't have the new thing. And, you know, and those things that like of the seeking of the happiness outside of myself, I stripped all of that away. And, and I've never felt more free or more happy and it was like, because I was truly aligned, I only was having conversations with people that were, you know, new friends and aligned and that like lit me up. I wasn't in drama. I, you know, wasn't handing my power over to substance. I didn't need all of the shiny next things and create more stress financially. You know, it was my happiness came from nature, water, God, and amazing relationships. And like, that's that, you know, that balance within. And that is like a, a heaven on earth experience for me. I love it. I love it. Wow, that's that's awesome, right? It see everybody, if you just if you've been paying attention, Erica just taught you a whole bunch of new stuff, some stuff that's not so new, but it's important. Um, so I appreciate that, Erica. So I always like to ask you, like, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you if they want to work with you? Like, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is sacredstrut.com and I'll give anyone here a free month if they want to sign up that for the walks, the walks too are every Saturday. Um, it's $52 a month, which I think is pretty reasonable, but, um, you'll get a free month. I'll, I'll do a, um, a code for, uh, fearless. And so it'll be a free month. Um, or they can find me on Instagram or Facebook, Erica Lynn underscore sacred strut. So awesome. Yeah. This has been an amazing, amazing time. Thank you so much for taking me up and being a guest, Erica. But there's one last question that I ask all my cli uh, clients. My guess is, what piece of advice would you give my audience to help them become a better human being? Like, what, do, what would you tell them? What's that advice you would tell them to help them become better people? 
the first thing that came to me was pray. Prayer is always good, right? I love it. My favorite two words, let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> let's pray, right? I love that. I love that, right? See, one thing I had to learn, right? I was good at praying early on because I was always got, asking God for things, right? One thing, and then my sponsor said, well, why don't you sit and meditate and listen to what he might be yeah. trying to tell you, uh -huh. right? So I had to learn that too, because like you said, I am I wanted it yesterday, like lickety split. Come on, God, give it to me now. But wow, this has been an I'm amazing time. Sure. <laughs> so I'm a talker for sure. I have a friend who's been sober seven years and we used to reach together like 15 years ago. And so it was inevitable that we both would end up here <laughs> sober, but- that's but you awesome. know, she's always, she's always reminded me to, um, you know, to be a better listener. And uh, I'll joke now, she'll go to say something to me. I'm like, I know, listen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just, this has been such a, a great time for me. I hope, and I know the audience is going to learn a lot from you, Erica. Thank you for taking the time and being here. So, you know what I like to say, audience, if Erica made you smile, if she made you think, if you learned something, if she just made you smile, like I said, and like my famous, if she made you go, hmm, like, whoa, that was good, right? Please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review so more people can find the podcast. And again, everybody, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're at in this world. Till next time. Are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles? Join the fearless happiness lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future. Explore past podcast episodes and get a copy of the Fearless Happiness book to ignite your inner strength. If you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma, know that we are here for you. Visit maxnates.org, M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T dot O-R-G and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Fearless Happiness.